I was listening to my uh, the you know the playlist they make for for of all your top songs. Yeah, mine's got some bangers on it. <laughs> my, mine just mine has a bunch of songs which I'm like, oh yeah, that was a thing, <laughs> but it's just so disjointed because of the way I listen to music. So like, yeah. there's so many like musicals, but they're all the intros to the musicals. <laughs> So it's not even like the good songs from the musicals. Then I've got like just different. It's all over the place. It's not a good playlist. Good morning. You're listening to the Brood Work podcast with Cameron and Tom. The podcast for coffee lovers and scientists. Or just anyone who wants a podcast to throw on and learn something new. So for once, Tom, we're not talking about coffee for first I know. Thing. What a controversial decision. <laughs> We've both been drinking a different hot beverage. Indeed. The new obsession for us is loose leaf tea. So we've both simultaneously gotten into loose leaf tea, which is really cool. It is fantastic because um, I've always drank, well, Yorkshire tea, essentially, and bags of Earl Grey and stuff, but actually having more control over it in terms of how much tea I put in. I think it just makes... And you obviously, you get higher quality tea as well, and it really makes a difference. That's the thing. It's, it's just going for that higher quality experience, essentially. Like, again, the one of the main reasons we both love pour over coffee and stuff is it is a ritual. Hmm. So now that we've got loose leaf teas, it's putting the tea into the infuser. It's preheating the, the actual teapot and stuff like this. You just get a much better experience out of it. Mm, exactly. And it's, it's really cool as well when you get like the uh, fruit teas because it's actually just pieces of dried fruit. There's nothing else in it. It's literally cranberries and dried peach and things that just expand with the water and make the tea. Yeah, that's, a, that's the thing that I found a little bit trippy when I first made the chamomile is that it's literally just little flowers, yeah. just little buds of the chamomile flowers which i'm like it was like whoa <laughs> you expect it to be like when you see it in a tea bag where it's really fine and yeah up but no it's just actual pieces it's really really cool yeah obviously coffee and tea go hand in hand i'm safe in saying that we both actually drink more tea than coffee oh by far i normally have yeah. maybe one or two coffees in the morning and that's it yeah because coffee has a very high caffeine concentration and tea less so mm. Especially when you're drinking herbal and green teas, which don't have any caffeine in. Exactly. Also, coffee is expensive. Coffee is expensive. There's no way around that. If you're going for high high quality like we do, it's it's expensive. I mean, tea is comparable in terms of price. Say two bags of 100 grams or 200 grams of tea will probably take back maybe 12 pounds. But you're using so much less yeah. when you make it that it just lasts forever really yeah i'm using if i make if i wanted to make a full pot of the pot that we both have which is what seven um about two two very large cups three quarters to just under a liter i'd say yeah um i use four teaspoons and that's it that's all you need yeah same especially for my herbal teas Mm. black teas i use one one per cup so what teas have you picked up is the question oh i've got so so many talk us through them talk us through them Okay, so I ordered quite a few teas from uh, Wittards. Mm. So I spent quite a bit of money. How much did you spend? <laughs> Tell the world. £36. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I got a white peony loose leaf tea, mm-hmm. which I just had to get because my niece is called Peony. Ah. I had to get it. And it's an, it's a good white tea, to be fair. Mm. 
um chilean mango which is the one that i'm most intrigued by in your collection it's it's really good it's got a nice like just little burn to it like mm. really subtle little burn it's really good uh apple and elderflower which is what i'm currently drinking sounds amazing it's so elderflowery is it like that juice the fancy juice yeah thing? yeah it genuinely is it's so flavorsome oh my I've got afternoon loose leaf tea, which is just a breakfast tea with a bit more orange, probably similar to uh, Lady Grey. Okay, yeah. I haven't actually tried that one just yet, mm -hmm. but I'm looking forward to it. Tippy Assam loose leaf tea, another black tea, which I have yet to try. Okay. Uh, not sure what I'm going to expect from that, if I'm honest. Assam's, Assam's normally included in some form in normal tea blends. Yeah, I just got it as another like black tea to try. Like then I've got golden chamomile, which I've already talked about. Indeed. Again, it's just a nice naturally sweet herbal tea. I'm I'm a fan of it. It's really calming. Mm. The final tea that I have is orange and cinnamon, Ooh. which is really heavy on the cinnamon. Nice. It's it's damn good. It's the only one that I've said to my flatmates to be like, if you want, you can try it. Yeah. Because it is really good. Like, it's the only one which I've gone, people need to try this. <laughs> Chilean mango is probably, like, one of them. Mm. But definitely orange and cinnamon. Like, it's it's really good for this time of year with that cinnamon. Yeah. It's a, it's really, like, fragrant and really bold. It's, it's, it's a good one. So, yeah, they're all the ones that I have. My favorite tea when I brewed using a tea bag is nettle tea. I, w I do want to get some nettle leaves because it's just got a way, it's got a really unique spice to it. It's kind of minty, but not. Yeah, it's a re it's a really unique tea. Like, it's a really difficult, it's a really difficult thing to describe. It's just a weird spice yeah. to it. So, I'm, I'm going to try and find some nettle leaves along with some peppermint and lemon and ginger tea basically just get the basics that i've already got in teabag form yeah just in loose leaf and get rid of all my tea bags. <laughs> yeah so what have you been drinking um i've only got two at the moment um because it's very sad um they're both from hebden tea which is like a little shop near the minster in new york yeah one of the teas that i've got is a mulled fruit tea mm -hmm. which i had to get just because it's Coming up to Christmas. Yeah, exactly. And it actually does taste like mulled wine in tea mm. form. It's fantastic. It's got cinnamon, cloves, spiced oranges, raisins, I think. And it's just really, well, mulled, I suppose. Um, kind of slightly spicy, just really warming and relaxing for kind of a Christmas time of year. Yeah, exactly. And then I think the one that I prefer to that um, is the elderberry and peach one. Mm. which is absolutely fantastic like it's really nice now but i imagine it'd be great in the summer especially if you made a nice tea out of it yeah it's just it's got a lovely deep red color as well yeah i saw i saw that on when you sent me a picture of it it's on snapchat it's the elderflower and apple that i've got is like i could if i wanted to like let it really infuse yeah and it would turn that color but i prefer it being more delicate yeah in, rather than intense, if I'm honest. So, I'd, like, don't brew it for that long. That was the normal amount of time. It was only, like, three, five minutes. That's what I like about fruit teas. Um, it's actually kind of hard to over-infuse them because if it's not got actual tea in, it doesn't have the tannins in it, yeah. which makes it bitter from over-infusing. Yeah, it just gets stronger. Yeah. It's just the, like, strength of the 
tea that you prefer. It's great because if you're like me and you're really forgetful and you maybe leave it a bit longer than you should, it doesn't ruin <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, some teas that I want to pick up, um, I'm going to get around to doing. I've been really intrigued by, I saw them a while back, uh, the T2 teas. Mm. That's kind of hard to say. But they've got this really nice minimal packaging and they do some really nice looking teas. So I wanted to get a English breakfast, of course, French Earl Grey, a fruit tea of some description. I'm not sure what's in it, but they call it the Fruitalicious Tea. And then one that I've been really wanting to pick up is a chai tea. Oh yeah, I might think about getting a chai tea. See, you know something? Mm? I've never had a chai tea. Really? Yeah, I've only ever had chai lattes. Chai tea is very nice. It's kind of similar, but a bit more watery, I suppose. Yeah. So this Fruitalicious Loose Leaf has, um, so it comes with cranberries, blueberries, papaya, and dragon fruit. Mm, interesting. I'm very fascinated by. I don't think I've ever had dragon fruit. There is just something about teas that it's just, like, I don't want to say, I don't want to compare it too much and say that it's, like, a lot easier than coffee. But there's a le- there's less of a learning curve. It's hard to mess up. I'm sure when I first was first getting into coffee, I didn't expect knows that much to it yeah and just once you get into the rabbit hole you get deeper and deeper and discover more stuff mm. i'm sure that will probably happen with tea i feel like it's a lot more surface level yeah if you get an apple and elderflower tea it's gonna taste like apple and elderflower yeah agreed definitely pretty much like there's certain things that you just will get from it mm. you, you do just get general tea-like notes in coffee and that's what you're going to get from stuff like black teas. Again, coffee and tea just go hand in hand. It makes sense that we like them both. And yeah, yeah. Next step, specialty hot chocolate. Oh, that is something I'm very interested in. Not going to lie. So it's coming towards the end of the year. And that does mean one thing, which is, of course, Spotify releases the 2018 wrapped, which means we can dive into our guiltiest pleasures and worst nightmares of all the songs we've listened to in that year. Yeah, we've both had a brief look through, but we don't know really what each other's is like. So, I started 2018 by listening to Heavy Dirty Soul by 21 Pilots. Right. Good. I don't get this, though, because I don't think I've ever consciously searched them out. The first artist I discovered was Bon Jovi. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Why? Unless I was listening to some metal or some rock or something and it put it into a Discover playlist for me. Yeah, so here's the problem with the way that it does, Spotify does this wrapped thing, is that that is the very first artist that you listened to that year that you hadn't listened to before. So with us, we listen to our Discover playlists, like, pretty much religiously. Yeah. If someone showed up on that on that playlist, even if you didn't like the song, it's gonna show up as that. Oof. So it's it's, it is a problem with some of these categories that they're not maybe completely accurate with yeah. how you would describe your own music taste. Why did it have to be Bon Jovi, though? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite brilliant. <laughs> so mine, mm-hmm. I started the year by listening to Copycat by Billie Eilish. Uh-huh. So yeah, Billie Eilish has really blown up this year. She was a really like small artist at the beginning of last year. I watched a Teens React of Billie Eilish, so she's really broken out. What kind of music does she do? Basically typical, like, indie girl. She's a, Oh, she's only 16. Huh. Yeah, she's really young as well. She looks like um, Cara Delevingne slightly. She does. I do not like her style or her attitude. Me neither. I think it's 
not great. It's not my thing. But her music, she has an amazing voice. She she makes like really like trancey, not not trance because that's an actual like genre. Yeah. But it's kind. I would liken it a bit to uh, early Transviolet. Oh, okay. Before they went rubbish. Before they went poppy. Yeah. I still wouldn't say Transviolet are rubbish because I do really like Transviolet. But before they went a bit more poppy techno. From what I'm Google from Google Images. What I can guess of Billie Eilish's style is typical streetwear trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not liking that. It's 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 not my style. It's not what I'd go for. Each to their own. I'm not I'm not gonna say it makes her a worse person or anything like that. It's just not what I would go for. Yeah. It's not my agreed. My personal taste. I mean, I'm sat here in a Christmas bow tie for God's sake, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just wearing a plain grey t-shirt and black jeans like ninety percent of the time. So yeah. Yeah, so the first artist I discovered Mm -hmm. was Vince Staples. Oh, okay. I have no idea who that is. I've heard of Vince Staples. He did like a uh, remix at the end of Billy Ailish's album, which is why I know it, which is why he's on my list. But I did not, I had no idea who that was. And I actually really dislike that song. And I wish it wasn't on the the album. It's weird I've heard of him, but I've never heard anything by him it's it's the same thing again it's just the first yeah first thing so shall we move on to the next page which is how many minutes did you spend listening this year okay so this one you've got three options yeah but i know i, I do know which i know which one which mine was one. Uh, mine's probably much less underwhelming than yours is what's yours i only listened to 6359 minutes Thirty-seven thousand one hundred and seventy-two. <laughs> oh my! So I listened to it comes out rounded up to one hundred and six hours of music. Six hundred and thirty-three hours. <laughs> oh. oh, that's a lot of music. Twenty-six days. <laughs> but since my inner earphones broke, I don't. When I walk into town and stuff, I don't listen to music anymore. I always listen. They, this this is the thing as well. Like all of my statistics on all these, like like my watch time on YouTube, my Spotify listening time, my podcast listening time, they're all astronomically high. Yeah, which is like bad because they're all astronomically high. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> I'm literally spending every waking hour listening to Spotify, watching YouTube, or listening to podcasts. Yeah, that's not ideal. And every everyone gets shocked at my like view time or. At, and stuff like this mm. i'm like that doesn't even show my spotify or podcast listening like yeah. i do so much other stuff as well <laughs> other people spend ages listening watching netflix yeah exactly i really don't i don't watch tv i don't have netflix really or anything like that i've really like slowed down watching tv and stuff again i would get netflix but i would literally use it for two programs always sunny and brooklyn by nine yeah so i don't really feel like it's worth buying yeah Another thing about this listening statistic is that that doesn't even factor in how long I spend listening to vinyl. Yeah, that's why mine's gone down so much. I don't listen to any album any album that I have on vinyl. I don't listen to on Spotify anymore unless I don't if unless I'm like I'm out. Yeah, that's same. Um but if I can listen to it on vinyl, I will. Exactly. Just cuz it's better. It's yeah, nicer. Exactly. So yeah, that's a lot of minutes. That is a lot of minutes. What's the next section we have? Your top artist. Yeah, this this makes sense. <laughs> uh, let me try and guess before you say. Hmm. You're not gonna. You're not gonna guess. Is it a musical? Yeah. Miss Saigon. Oh, well done. 
I, th- I don't think you would have guessed that if you didn't know it was a musical, though. So I spent 26 hours okay. listening to Miss Saigon. Cool. And this is because in May? Yeah, I think it was around no, it was May or June. It was just after exams had finished. I went to see Miss Saigon, and then I didn't stop listening to it on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's pretty much been my year. It's, it's been a very musical mm. heavy year just because i never got out of the musical rut which i normally do last year was really like a lot of this was more of the indie playlists and indie artists that i listen to mm. this year i'm seeing a lot more musicals yeah so my top artist was interestingly uh green day that doesn't surprise me uh and i spent 40 hours listening to green day mm. Which is makes sense considering that I basically like every album they've done from 1992 onwards. <laughs> I basically I started I re- kind of almost rediscovered, for want of a better word, all their old punk stuff, and was listening to that. And then obviously for my birthday I got the Mike Dern signature bass. So if I wanted to play along to something, of course it was going to be Green Day. So I think that's where some of, most of my kind of listen time comes from. I've got two albums by them on vinyl. Um, Warning and Insomniac, so I don't listen to them as much. I still listen to them a lot because they're the albums that I like throwing on when I'm out, but... Yeah. Unsurprising, really. If this rap had come out later, I think it might have changed some news recently because mm. I've just rediscovered them in a big way, especially with the new album. So I feel like I've mentioned that every week on this podcast, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell that I like it? <laughs> okay, so the charts. The charts. Okay, so this is three different uh, little lists so we've got top artists top songs and top genres yeah so my top artists are miss saigon mm-hmm. obviously and then uh, bleachers okay alexandra desplat eva noble zada who is from miss saigon mm-hmm. and then howard shaw okay which isn't too dissimilar to what i think alexandra desplat did the score for uh, shape of water Oh, right, okay. Howard Shaw did the score for Lord of the Rings, which is uh, two of the albums that I put on when I'm working. Mm. So they're two of my favourite film scores, which just completely makes sense. And Bleachers, I got into Bleachers big time this year. Their Gone Now album mm. is probably my favourite album. Oh, wow, okay. It's just perfection. I'll check that out. So who have I got on my top artists? We have Green Day, of course. Andrew Jackson Jihad, who are a folk punk band, I suppose, from Arizona. Um, Imagine Dragons, and that is literally only one album. I've never actually listened to any of the albums other than the first one. I was going to say, Imagine Dragons is not a good one in 2018. No. It's literally the first album, the deluxe edition of that, because the bonus the bonus songs in that are incredible. Yeah. Um, the National, which is down a fair few. That was my top artist from last year, actually. I'm not a fan of The National. Oh, but I, I don't know. I just really like them. Um, each their own, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and the last one is Stonaway. They're a, I, suppose, I don't think they're around anymore. They're a um kind of indie folky band. Okay. So top songs, I've got Good Morning, which is from the Bleachers Gone Now album, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Then I've got Pierre Prologue and Dustin Ashes, all from the Great Comet of 1812 soundtrack. Okay. And then Facade from the Jekyll and Hyde soundtrack. So musicals again. Yeah, lots of musicals there. I'm not sure how this has happened, but every single one of my top songs is a Green Day song, and they're all from one of two albums. Okay. <laughs> so we've got Stuck With Me, Geek Stink Breath, Brat, and Amateur Shanks from the 1996 album 
Insomniac, and then Welcome to Paradise from Dookie in 1994. Uh, top genres, pop, indie, rock, classical, punk, just a bit all over the place. So I've got rock, indie, punk, which makes sense. Those are the three genres I listen to. Yeah. And then Roots. What? Yeah. Root. Roots. It's kind of like um, American folk music. Oh. That makes sense, actually. Okay. Americana, rhythm and blues. For example, Mumford and Sons are a Roots artist. Okay. Bob Dylan, obviously. Makes sense. Top 100. They've put the top 100 songs, which I've been listening today. Mm-hmm. It's just a really disappointing playlist. Mine, again, mine's this. fantastic. It's such a good playlist. Yeah. <laughs> mine's just really <laughs> all over the place, which is what you would expect from from me. Mm-hmm. You're adventurous. Okay, this is this is where the hipsterness comes out. Is this your <laughs> uh, favourite subgenre? This is. It just says you're adventurous. You listen to non street non mainstream artists sixty five percent more than the average Spotify listener. Okay, cool. Is what mine says. My uh, is the, my favourite musical subgenre, and it's this really weird, um, like almost Spotify exclusive one that they made up themselves, called Permanent Wave. It's basically alternative music. Okay. Like the uh, album art cover they used for it is Kid A by Radiohead. Ah, okay. So it's al- alternative music. Okay, so the next one I've got is Oldest Song. Mm, me too. You go first. What is your oldest? My oldest song is candide overture yeah which is from what i can tell a piece from the uh west side story soundtrack okay it's from 1960 oh i'm two years out 1962 stand by me by benny king what a classic what a classic tune absolute tune uh yeah i think that's just a bit of a pointless slide although i think that is a might be a lie Ooh. I've got one older. Um, I don't want to set the world on fire by the ink spots. 1941. Been using that as my uh, alarm, getting that Fallout Three mood. <laughs> but now I get onto all talk. Yes, all talk. Which is really just again, I don't really care because I don't use Spotify for podcasts. Yeah, I do. So <laughs> yeah, so my favorite podcast was 99% Invisible, mm-hmm. and uh, my favorite Murder. Okay. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay, like, 99% Invisible is a really good podcast. Yeah, It's all about um, just different, like, marketing tactics and just stuff that you don't really see every day. Yeah. But I use other apps for podcasts, so... Um, one of my favourites, not my top favourite, but one of my favourites was Sleep With Me, which is that podcast where it's just a guy with, with a really boring voice telling nonsensical stories. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love that. It's really relaxing. Um, and, of course, my top podcast was Cortex. Oh, really? Of course. <laughs> Fair play. I would probably say Cortex is my top podcast of this year, mm. especially because I've just binge listened to it. <laughs> yeah. And it's really just an amazing podcast. It is. I, I would probably say Cortex is my top of the year. Thank you, based Mike Hurley. So next is Taste Breakers. Mm. Start 2019 by broadening your horizons. We've made a playlist of songs from genres and artists you don't normally explore and will think you like it. Let's have a look at this and see... If I agree, I've opened it up to see if I agree. The the album art for mine is Legally Blonde. Um, <laughs> I've got someone called Rosemary Clooney. I don't know who that is. Uh, we've got an artist called Electric Eel Shock. Fats Domino, blues, nice. Johnny Cash, that's a lie because I listen to Johnny Cash. We've got a lot of Icelandic people on here. Anti-Flag, I listen to punk anyway. I've got a lot of Judy Garland. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Lady Smith Black Mombasso are the people who did the uh, Graceland album with Paul Simon. 
Yeah, I, I don't know any of mine. There's some on there who I do listen to, actually, weirdly. Yeah, all, all of mine are, are new to me. But there's some really weird stuff on there. But it might be worth listening to. There's loads of stuff in other languages. I think that's because I've been listening to a lot of um, Sigaros. <laughs> Probably. And then the final one, the final slide is just sharing. So that was a nice little was. venture into our listening habits. But it's a bit more underwhelming than last year's wrapped. I'm not sure why. I think mine, mine's just so musicals based. I feel like they had better categories last year. If someone asked me what kind of music you into, I would say indie. Yeah. That's just because that's always my go-to. But this year, I, I've just been listening to musicals nonstop. Yeah. But I think my top artists are pretty reflective of, of my year. So I've got Miss Saigon and then Bleachers, I discovered this year, and are my favorite favorite artist. Yeah. Probably my favorite album is his Gone Now album. And then Alexandre Desplat and Howard Shaw, because I've been working so much. Mm. So I think it's pretty indicative what i would like to see from spotify wrapped is if you could see some deeper analytics so like a year a month by month graph showing peaks in what you listen to and if you discover a new artist at some point and it peaks so you can maybe see if your favorite artist remained constant or if it was just one massive peak in a certain yeah. period that made them your favorite artist yeah i think that'd be a really cool insight so for this week paper research wise tom i haven't really read anything new particularly i've just been focusing on uh, getting a presentation sorted for my dissertation which i talked about last week mm -hmm. so i thought that this week you could just talk about what you're doing in your dissertation so um i believe i might have mentioned it before but i am looking into if there is a correlation between autistic symptoms and performance on a working memory task uh, working memory is essentially just the components of long-term memory such as visual spatial memory phonological which is kind of remembering words and sounds memory and then kind of the central executive which kind of holds it all together responsible for higher functioning that sort of thing so there's been a bit of it's kind of mixed results some studies suggest that some parts of working memory are inhibited by autism some suggest that autism actually increases performance in some parts of working memory but of course, because it's my undergraduate dissertation, the ethics would be too tricky to go into a school and recruit autistic individuals and non-autistic individuals. Yeah. Uh, you need gatekeepers and parental supervision, maybe for a master's, yeah. Mm. So I've had to go the slightly less concrete route of using correlations. So I'm using a measure called the Autism Quotient, which is a 50-item questionnaire, essentially, uh, with Likert scale responses, essentially like one through five, do not agree, definitely agree. Um, and it's questions such as, I have no trouble imagining things in my mind. I find new social interactions make me nervous. Uh, it's just those sorts of questions. Mm. It's not diagnostic, which means it can be used by a non-professional, essentially, which is why I'm using it. I can't actually use a diagnostic tool because I'm not trained. So the idea is I will get participants to do this thing, see where they lie on the autism quotient, and then I will get them to do a visual working memory task using a paradigm called Corsi Blocks, which is where I believe it is a nine square grid, and they'll sit at the computer. For the first trial, one block will light up, and they've got to click where that block was on the screen. 
Then it'll be two blocks in a certain pattern. They've got to follow the block all the way up to, well, nine blocks. And we've got to see how accurate they are with remembering the pattern. Okay. Generally, I think the usual fall-off point is around people's stats struggle around four or five items. You'd expect people who display higher levels of autistic symptoms to struggle with lower amounts. Mm. And then just to make sure, essentially, it's going to be a second trial as well, where I'm going to get them to watch the patterns again, but they've got to click the blocks in the reverse order to how they were shown. Now, performance on that is a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> Understandably. Because the trouble is, some people like myself and one of the lecturers who also focus on cognitive are slightly better at doing the Corsi block task just because they're so familiar with the Corsi block task. Yeah. Obviously, the more you practice a visual spatial task, the better you'll get at it. So by one, randomizing the order of the blocks, not from condition to condition per se, but from any other test that's been done before, um, and then doing the same test but in reverse order, should mean that if anyone's kind of familiar with it, it should hopefully throw them off. Mm. How do you quantify the questionnaire results? Because surely you need to get that into a quantitative number rather than a qualitative statement for like analysis and stuff yeah well luckily there's no reverse scoring or anything like that um it's just added up and that's their raw number they get 20 or 30 or um what i'll then do is when i'm looking at the big thing of participants um i'll have one column with their score on the autism quotient one column with their performance on the first trail of the course block and one on the second trail of the course block the number there will be their score. So obviously anything over 32 will suggest autistic symptoms. Okay. I could take an average of everyone's score, but I don't see what the point in that would be. So yeah, basically it just gets added up. It's not, it's just summed, it's not averaged, is how their score gets turned into data. Okay, so it's on a scale from like strongly agree, agree, disagree, strongly disagree. And if they, if it's like, if they answer like agree, that that would be like two. Yeah, precisely. Okay, I get you. So definitely agree, slightly agree, slightly disagree, and definitely disagree. So you really have to, I feel like you really have to be specific. And if you're doing like that, because the, the pro I feel like the problem with questionnaires is that some questions would bias the results a bit more, if you get what I'm saying. Of course, there's always the risk with questionnaires, I mean, um, especially because the fact they're self-report usually. Yeah. That's just one of the limitations. I can't do a full-blown diagnostic yeah, I mean, I, co I completely understand. It's just, just something that I'll have to address in my discussion. Yeah. Further research, maybe consider looking at this in a clinical situation, etc., etc. But this is a widely used tool. It's got good psychometric properties um, in studies of a similar ilk, I suppose. It's replicable, it's valid, Yeah. it's reliable, so it seems like it's pretty decent. It's a pretty standard thing. Like you go onto any website where you kind of do a autism questionnaire, and it's usually a variation of the autism quotient. Mm. It's just one of the most recognised ones in psychology, essentially, because it's simple, easy to understand. Anyone of any age who can read can basically do it, which is great. Mm. You don't need to adjust it for populations. Fifty questions, so there's a good range that covers all the areas associated with autism. So memory, information social situations etc it's something which i just don't have experience with we do we just simply don't really use questionnaires in physiology yeah especially the physiology that i look at in the heart it's for lack of a better word straightforward <laughs> yeah interpreting data in physiology essentially comes down to you run the correct tests on the correct data 
and you get a positive or negative result. Well, that's all this will be. Once I've backed it in, I'm just looking. I'm just looking for a significant result. There's just a few more steps before that. <laughs> I feel. Yeah, I feel. I just feel like in in the use of a questionnaire, there's more chance for interpretation. If you get what I'm saying, like someone can answer. Like, what's what's the difference between agree and strongly strongly agree? Like, it depends on the person. So that's that's what I'm saying. Like in general, in physiology, it's a bit more like cut and dry. Yeah, there's still interpretation. I just feel like in the use of a questionnaire, there's a more room for interpretation. Yeah, if it, if it was a uh, master's, what if I could get access to the York Uni stuff or hospital resources, what I could do is get them to do a Corsi block test whilst in a functional MRI scanner, and that way we could actually see brain activation in real time. But of course, being an undergrad, I don't really have access to an fMRI scanner. Yeah, we can make it uh, very cut and dry if we want, but with the resources I've got, I can't really do that. Yeah, so it's it's really interesting the methods that you do have to use when you can't make it cut and dry. Yeah, what what's nice about cognitive psychology is that it is directly observable, whereas things like personality aren't so much. So, which is why I'm yeah. very much wanting to obviously go into cognitive because I like the fact that you can observe it with real-time brain scans and CAT scans and MRIs. and Yeah, it's one of the things I love about the research on antiarrhythmic drugs that I'm doing yeah. is that it is just so observable. You can directly see when the heart's beating in front of you, you can see when it's not beating properly and stuff like that. It's literally right in front of you. Well, Tom, this has been an interesting episode where we've discussed the teas that we've just started getting into and your dissertation. Exactly. And we've also took a nice stroll through the world of our 2018 Spotify Wrapped playlist as well, which was equally fascinating and horrifying in equal measure. So if you want to know anything else about the tea we've been drinking or anything we've been discussing, really, Everything will be in the show notes, along with our Twitter, at Brood for Work. And, of course, make sure to follow us on your podcast service of choice. And thank you for listening to the podcast.